All right, microphone check one two. It is this. Um, in my in my kitchen right now. I had I had done this podcast recently already with this man who's in my kitchen now, and I don't like doing it over the phone because you lose the energy and it just. I just don't like the phone. His dog was barking. His people knocking at his door and shit. So welcome back to the podcast, my good friend, my, uh, my big brother, Mr. John Joseph. Yo, what's up? So, I love the 1950s style kitchen. Thank you, man. And uh, <laughs> my brother, Toby One Kenobi. <laughs> I was, uh, before we get into uh, your stuff, I was, uh, I've already mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast, but I remember the first time seeing you is um, me and Isaac and all of us. We were like the new, new guys on the block and you're the, you're the OG. And we used to be at the hip hop club, sheets and pillows, a bunch of those spots. And you'd be there dancing, you'd be there with your people chilling. And we'd always see John, like we, we'd like give each other a nod, like that's John Joseph, give like a heads up. That's like we're part of the same scene. Yeah. But he was like the, but that's where I used to see you with the hip hop clubs before like we actually became friends. Yeah, and shit. I, I worked all them clubs even in the early '80s, the fucking World and uh, yeah. Payday. Oh yeah, Milky Payday. Way, yeah. which was prior to Bill Spector doing okay. Sheets and Pillows. Yeah. And I worked a lot of the outlaw parties, Love Transporter Room, and yeah. just ill shit because it was like they wanted, you know, people from the neighborhood and who had, I guess, street cred and yeah, yeah, new yeah. people. And then I had people that I knew could fucking handle themselves yeah. uh, working with me. So, uh, but you know, I got to see a lot of the great early acts, man. Big Daddy Kane and fucking everybody, man. Uh, Sick. Public Enemy and uh, Tribe Called Quests. De La Soul's first show ever I was at. Damn. They did the... Actually, I'm going to see Chuck Crook out here. He was the guy that put Payday together. He okay. started doing parties on the Williamsburg Bridge in the middle, which was like fucking dangerous as fuck and then yeah, yeah, yeah they started doing like subway platform parties like and then and then he started getting like uh you know like if it was a synagogue or a bank or yeah. an empty place or a loft a warehouse whatever the fuck yeah just to get you know and he started bringing down red alert kid capri uh cool hurt you know just like yeah. all the old school um uh, people but yeah man it was uh new york was the melting pot i think because like the punk rock and the hardcore came from the streets and the hip-hop was the same shit yeah it was like it was street culture yeah so you know you would see a lot of those cats going to bad brain shows and yeah somebody just told me that they worked for uh, and the artists too like somebody was like told me that uh this photographer, Danny Hamilton, he's pretty famous dude yeah. from old school brother. He's like, yo, like all these hip hop heads came when you played with the Bad Brains and then, you know, fucking Jean-Michel Basquiat was there and like all these motherfuckers, Andy Warhol and like, you know, yeah. So it was like New York's just always been one of those places where everything kind of everybody together meshes and, together yeah. yeah that's what i was gonna say i was gonna ask you like why you summed it up for me why you think hip-hop and heart going hand in hand because i feel like new york city was was the main place where that really had that real connection i'm not sure about other cities i'm sure philly and other places had it but uh, the new philly, york hip-hop was like i didn't see that because philly it was like and even dc you had you know like i was down there and the big thing down there wasn't hip-hop it was go-go yeah so like i used to go to the go-go shows with some of the cats from DC and yeah. like that type of shit. But 
you know, you'd be going in areas and they'd be like, you know, yo, what the fuck is these white boys doing here type mm-hmm. shit. Like, yeah. you know, Petworth and Trouble Funk and all that shit. Yeah. Like, but New York really was more of like, it was cool for everybody. Yeah. Like, you know, no yeah. beef. Yeah. And then you started getting the, the, the latest shit. Shit started getting ill. In the 90s, when early 90s. When motherfuckers were like, fuck Compton. And yeah, all, all that, that <laughs> shit and the war shit started going down. Yeah, the gang like, shit. All that was different. Yeah, it, was, it changed. Like, yeah. You know. But I do feel like Public Enemy, lyrically, was a pretty punk rock, like, lyrically. Fucking revolutionary, man. I yeah. love that album. For, and I remember hearing N.W.A. when the album came out. This brother was coming down the street, St. Mark's, and I was sitting right outside Fun City. Yeah. Like on that stoop, it wasn't even Fun City yet, and it's and he was playing fucking N.W.A. Niggas yeah. with attitudes. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is that? He's like, yo, man, this this L.A. gang and shit, and they rap. That's what he told me, and I was like, <laughs> and then that summer, like all the cars were playing "Fuck the Police," yeah, and the cops was pulling them over. "Fuck the Police" Damn. coming straight from the underground. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just. That's pretty punk, though. I mean, fuck. Oh, dude, come on. That's revolutionary shit, bro. Yeah. I mean, we had Nazi punks fuck off and other shit like that, yeah, other anthems, but yeah, like... Yeah, Kennedys. And, but, so, but, so were you born in New York City? Yeah, man. Born in Elmhurst, Queens, 1962. Queens. October 3rd. Uh, yeah, I'm a Queens motherfucker, but uh, my, my mom's moved... You know, we bounced around as yeah. any, anyone who doesn't know our story, we were on yeah. the run... There's a picture in my book, Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, when I came home from the hospital and my father was holding me and my mother was standing next to her, but it's deceptive because you're like, oh, what a happy family. But then if you look behind my mother, my brother's hiding behind her Mm. in fear of him because like, even while she was pregnant with me, he was beating her. He raped her. That's how I was conceived. Like it was, he was a brutal fucking dude, man. Holy fuck! So, like, so uh, how 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 soon after? Like, when did your dad leave your life? Oh, right on early. He he just bounced in, beat up my mom, would take her money and go take it to his other girlfriend. Yeah, we he never fucking gave my mother a dime. She had three kids by the time she was twenty one. Two of them out of a rape. Holy fuck! And man. Uh, yeah, the only did you ever one... see your dad after that? No, man. Nope. You know, somebody reached out and wanted to get in touch. He, he gave us this weird shit happened, and somebody knew him and fucking. He called my house in like 1999 and was like, I was like, it was like the day before New Year's. And, yeah. And uh, I was like, hello. And he's like, hello, John. And I was like, yeah, who's this? He's like, this is your father. And then I was like, oh, shit, this dude gave him my number. I said, motherfucker, you ain't my father. You're a fucking sperm donor. I said, you better hope I never see you. Damn. But I'll tell you how crazy shit is. It's no surprise. My younger brother's an addict, Frank. He's been dealing with it for years. So he had to go to the VA. This was about four years ago to detox before they could do an open-heart surgery on him. Fuck. So they put him in the Finger Lakes, and the lady... Nurse walks in and she looks at his chart on his bed, end of his bed, and she's like, oh, Frank McGowan, are you any relation to John McGowan? And uh, my brother's like, yeah, John Joseph McGowan, that's my brother from the Cro-Mags, writes the books. Yeah. She's like, no, 
she said, no, no, John Emil McGowan. And she, Frank was like, yo, that's my father. Oh, shit. You know him? She And she goes, John Emil McGowan is, is your father. And he's like, yeah. He, she leaves the room and comes back. And uh, she's like, do you have, what's your mother's name, Marie? What's your brother's yeah. name, Eugene John? She fucking catches her breath and goes, your father's dying in the next room. Holy shit. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, man. I, look at that. I still get goosebumps. Frank calls me up and he's like, you're not going to fucking believe who's in the fucking room next to me and we share a bathroom and he's dying and he sent in a priest to ask for last right yeah. to get forgiveness. He's like, our father. I was like, what? And I said, so what did you say? I, I told her to tell him to go fuck himself. Oh, shit. But he was homeless. He, like, had all dirty clothes, filthy clothes. Wow. We didn't even know he was a veteran. Okay. That he was in the military because it was the VA hospital. Yeah. I mean, it's just wild. Like, oh, out of every motherfucking place on the planet. Yeah, that's crazy. Especially in New York. <laughs> and, you know, truth be told, me and my brother E, who you know, said, yeah. you know, that was... That was... The universe holding up a mirror to my brother because he did the same shit. He abandoned his kids. He's a fucking, mm. you know, doing like this is what you're gonna become. Wow. So he he fucking left this world, just a lonely, broke. He did the same shit to my mom that he he did it to other women. What yeah. he did to her, robbed people's bank, you know. Damn man. And he boxed at uh, Gramercy Gym on the Customato. Okay. He was fucking, and my brother went to this benefit some years ago, like 20 years ago, and all the pros were there, fucking like world famous, world champions, and they're like, what are you, why are you here? And they're like, my father was, uh, my father fought at, at Cuss's gym. Well, who's your father? John McGowan. And they're like, your oh, father shit. was shorty? And he stay, the guy starts calling over all the fucking fighters, dude. Wow. Bugging the fuck out. The legendary They're like, shit. your father could have been fighting for a fucking world title, but he, two things, he wanted to be a gangster more than he wanted to be a fighter, and, he, and the alcohol got him. Okay. So it's wow. just, you know, that's why I stay, you know, like you, I stay clean and sober. Yeah. I don't, my brother's clean and sober, plant-based, and, and it's part of, uh, you know, keeping the whole consciousness right so yeah you we have to break that cycle of of what our parents and yeah did and shit and 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 uh you know that's because you could have went a different way you, you've been through so much shit yeah from i, that I early was a crack, a crack addict you know fucking were you doing were you partying at all during that time or just kind of spun out of like control? every you know here and there but not you know i wasn't straight edge for sure yeah. but i would i dabbled i'm not gonna say i didn't i, I like yeah. You know, hanging out with Crazy Dave, that okay. fucking Cuban dude, who then I became a fucking full-on crackhead with and had, like, you know, I'm writing the film about the whole shit that went down, and it's like, wow. you know, the fact that I'm even alive. It's I had, crazy, like, man. Terminate on sites, KOSs and all that shit from, like, all these drug gangs I was robbing, came out here. Craig always tells the story about when I popped out of the bushes and shit. <laughs> he loves to tell that one. I hadn't, you but know. it's crazy to say it because you said that your dad was robbing people too. Yeah. And then my dad did strong arm robberies. He collected money for like fucking, 
you know, Irish mob people Fuck. and like just a fucking banger, man. Southpaw. Have you have moved you ch- up to well to uh moved up to middleweight? Yeah, like just fucking, you know, very violent dude, you know. But then like you know, did you have you been trying your whole life not to be like him, like trying to do everything opposite of how he was because you want to turn out like him? At you all? know, like with everything, it's just being you know we got taken and putting in an abusive foster home for six yeah. years. It was fucking hell on earth for us. Yeah, and they. Beat us into silence, threatened to put me in a nut house, and like just crazy. people should read your book because it's all I mean, in there. It's incredible, of, man. They thought that that shit when I got the cover of the voice before they tried to prove that it was like that I made the shit up. And then when the guy found out, like talking to my mother and my brothers, like you know, like holy shit, like yeah, it's an insane story. But yeah, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Like, I didn't really start to see, I had a fear of, uh, you know, it like going down that same path. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I knew getting locked up from 78, to, you know, is for two years and running in the circles. Like, the people I ran with on the streets of New York in 76, 77, 78 were murderers. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to kill somebody or I'm going to get killed. Something like I always had this. I actually was relieved when I got locked up. I had three cases. Yeah. Two drug charges and one I broke into this like supermarket with a fucking pharmacy in there. And this guy Mm. supposedly had the combination to the safe. And it, it was like, I think like the guy set us up because the dude I was with was boning that guy's uh, girl and like gotcha. they set us up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but uh, when I got locked up, I was like, and I was the only dude that was white in Spofford and to set the tone, Roots mm-hmm. came out on TV I and that. the five percenters, which is the violent radical wing of the nation of Islam, Islam that yeah. took over the prison systems and called white people Yaku the devil. That's what I went into lockup under those circumstances. Damn. How old were you? I was, I got locked up uh, 15, but I, Fuck. then right after I turned 16, like while I was locked up in Spofford, I spent my sweet 16 in Spofford. Damn, man. Fucking in the Bronx, B3. Like, yeah. You know? I looked that up after I read your book, that, that prison, and there's also a memory I have of like how you went back to that house that you were living yeah, in. The with, Valentis, like, yeah, the Valentes. Fuck, man. And for me, I'm like such a shitty reader, it's hard to focus, so I, I love the audiobook of that because yeah. it's like eight hours long. You can listen to oh, it on Oh, it's more tour. than that. It's like so, yeah, 17 hours. It's fucking great. So people listening, you have to get that. I'll definitely plug that when this comes out. Yeah, so, great. you know, it was always this fear of like, uh, you know... Dying or getting locked up or... <laughs> I didn't fear death, man. Okay. Uh, you know, like, I just... Not to sound like whatever, but it, uh, when I was an addict, I was like, I fucking, I did shit to try to get killed. Like, Damn. even when I was on the streets and like, my first girl died of a heroin overdose, shit just started getting really fucked up. Yeah. Like, and then I was like, where do I go? What do I do? You know, it just, yeah. the walls started, I had this feeling like the walls was closing in on yeah. me. And... I hung with these two dudes, Junior Nuts and Doug, Dougie Holston, and they, they were from Greenpoint. They're legendary dudes. Okay. 
I remember they did hardcore shows, one over there, and then we walked by this old man bar, and I was with these kids, and the cro were playing. And I go, yo, y'all motherfuckers, we were walking to the train. I said, you read my book? They're like, yeah. I said, come here, watch this. Went to this old man bar in fucking Greenpoint. Yeah. I was like, yo, how long you guys lived in Greenpoint? And they're looking at me. They're like, my whole life, kid. And they were like in their 60s. I said, you guys remember two guys named Junior Nuts and Dougie Holston? And their fucking eyes got big as fucking saucers. And they were like, how do you know them? I said, I used to rob all the houses with them and come to Pops here in Greenpoint and fence all the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 76 and 77. Fuck. They were like, what? <laughs> and then crazy. I said, I said, what happened to them? And they said, well, when you live by the gun and the blade, you die by it. Both of them got murdered. Damn. So like, you know. Holy shit. And then I stopped hanging out with them because Junior Nuts was like the Polish Sid Vicious. Like the first okay. time I ever seen him, everybody hung out in Rockaway. It was like. Yeah. The Ramones, Rockaway Queens, yeah, 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 rock, 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 rock. Yeah. So, fucking That's sleeping crazy. under the boardwalk after I left the boys' home, and I hear this dude fucking screaming, and like I look up on the boardwalk, and this dude just has like cropped punk rock hair, no shirt on, and he's just slicing his fucking skin open with a broken <laughs> bottle. Fuck. And like, That's crazy. these guys were. Legit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and then he stabbed <laughs> some chick, local chick, in the fucking neck with a bottle and almost killed her. And he, they had to split, so then I had to split. And, Fuck, I mean, it was man. just a violent world. I, uh, you know, yeah. my first acid trip in St. John's, the guy tried to murder me with a knife. The well, guy, he, uh, Keela, who got set on, Bobby K, that got set on fire. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it, it was a much different... Um, you know, much different time. Were you going from school to school and stuff? Nah, man. I dropped the fuck out in sixth grade. I Holy was in PS shit. 180 and I said, fuck this. When I left the boys home, that was it. I didn't even make it into seventh grade. Wow. Yeah, I'm fucking. I started fucking up in St. John's at 13. Okay. So I was in. We They closed that first house down in, in, um, in 75. We kept a diary and we never told them nothing. But then the shit started getting so out of hand with the beatings and like everything. And we got older and wiser. Yeah. And then... Um, I wonder what happened to those people, the ones that gave you those shitty sandwiches and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the fucking Oreo spit sandwiches. Yeah. Like, he died of cancer and Good. Fucking, they all fucked up. They The money they bought their kids a house that burned down. One of them wow. died in it. Like, you, you, Crazy You karma. know, they have a saying, karma never forgets an address, man. Oh, you know, like, that, yeah. like, yeah. So I didn't wish nothing on him, but I was just glad to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And then we went to this other fucking bounced around. And then they found us a foster home in Garden City, and they had the same last name as as us, McGowan. Oh, shit. And they were the bank president, and fucking Garden City was very wealthy. Yeah. So they thought they were getting three little cute Irish fucking kids, and we were terrorists because. Obviously we just got abused for six years. Yeah. So what the fuck? Like yeah. we were robbing them and just doing crazy shit. Fuck. And like, yeah, it was. Uh, and that's when I really, I heard Iggy Pop and 75 Raw Power and all that. And I was like, what the fuck? 
So like I used to dress like Parliament Funkadelic and then like <laughs> platform shoes, like the whole shit. Making <laughs> I love to see take, that shit. Take, made them, I made them take me to like a fucking soul boutique in Hempstead. They were like, you know, she's like this yeah. rich white lady in a Mercedes, you know, like what the fuck? This <laughs> McGowan's from Garden yeah. City. Yeah, <laughs> and then like, <laughs> sick. then they started realizing like first we showed up with nothing. Yeah. We had no possessions. They didn't buy us clothes. We we would climb into a fucking poor box and wear the shit till it fell off. Damn. Like these people were fucked up. Yeah. And uh And then he started like getting like fancier clothes and shit. Well when we got to Garden City, yeah, they were like, Where's all your stuff? And they started because the social worker didn't tell him this guy bought Mr. Hayes was our social worker. And he never told them like, yo, these kids just been through hell. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have taken us. Yeah. So like, um, they it's fucking, fucking made him air. I didn't even think we lasted six months. And they were like, come get these motherfuckers out of here. Damn. Like my brother, they threw this party when the parents went away. They yeah. had two sis, two daughters. Yeah. And they're like, so we hung out with the heads. There was the heads and the jocks and the yuppies. Okay. And, so we hung out with like the burnouts. Like my brother <laughs> went to school with fucking uh, who was that famous boxing ref uh, uh, Arthur McCanty, okay. who was the fucking ref for all the Ali fights. His son, okay, Arthur McCanty Jr. was my brother's friend in Garden City. Wow, and they like we fucking wrecked shit out there. They called my nickname in Garden City was Bowie. That's Bowie? what they called me because I had the spiked. Blonde haircut, oh, fucking crazy shirts and pants, <laughs> and they were like, and they're all yuppies with fucking yeah. alligator shirts. They're like, what the fuck is this dude? Were you a huge Bowie fan? Yeah, I love Bowie, Parliament Funk. I love black music, yeah. and then I started getting into the punk, you know, the rock shit too. So Iggy Pop was like kind of the yeah. Iggy was like the Stooges, and then like you start looking up all, you know, just going down. Yeah, and it wasn't like there wasn't an internet then. It was no. like. You you would fucking read an article or go in a record store and look at the album covers and be like, oh shit! Like yeah. I didn't even know what Black Sabbath was when I got that record in '74. Mm. Paranoid. I just looked at the cover. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I put it on in my aunt's Crazy, house man. and I played it like 50 fucking times. And I yeah. was like, this is insane. That was like the first hard war music. pigs. Yeah, war pigs. Yeah. But, so, what, uh, what was that? Yeah. What was your first show? Maybe my first, first what punk, you went to your first my first to concert even before i went to max's i saw bands at max's and cb's the ramones in 77 yeah. but uh 76 i saw uh because keela the guy bobby k um was into rock he you know Rock and roll and shit. What happened in St. John's was I went into St. John's thinking I was black. I'm like, I'm one of these mother... I'm like, you know, hanging out with all the black kids. And my brother hung out with Bobby K. And okay. my brother was a rocker with long hair. And Bobby yeah. K got set on fire. And fucking as a kid, they his mom's boyfriend threw him in the bathtub with lighter fluid and set him on fire. Right. He was a maniac. Fucking maniac. Everybody was too. scared yeah, yeah. of him. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, and I just tell you, I got, you know, he just did not, he, you know, he was racist. He was prejudiced. Okay. We didn't say racist back then. We said prejudice. Okay. 
Or bigot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they said prejudice. Yo, that yeah. motherfucker's prejudice. Like, that was the word. So he was like that. Yeah, because, like, you know, whatever the fucking... He grew up in institutions and being beat on, and they they put him in a nut house. He was fucking... He was demented. Okay. And he was fucking 5'10", 240 pounds of fucking muscle with Covered hands the yeah. size of fucking cinder blocks that knocked Damn. people out. And he would just snap. Scary, yeah. So these kids, it was the 4th of July, 76, the Bicentennial. Yeah. They had this big dance. I'm thinking, you know, I'm one of the brothers waiting, you know... They they had the the girls home come. Okay. I'm like I'm gonna get some fucking sisters. I mean these kids were taking me to their houses and yeah. in Bed Stuy and fucking wow. Harlem and making fried bologna sandwiches. Way before this, like it is and now. And gabardines, sure. if you anybody's old school New is. York, <laughs> it's these fucking pants. Okay. And then there's a strip down each side on the outside, and then you would take. It would separate, and there was a colored strip. So you would take okay. that out and sew in another color. I had the pro kids. I was going to Allerton <laughs> Avenue in the Bronx playing ball. I thought I was one of them. That's like, awesome. And then what happened was, you know, they called Rockaway the Irish Riviera. So fucking um, they hated that the black kids were in their neighborhood. This is like, yo, they in, in the plop in the middle of Rockaway Beach, 110th Street, is a home in an all-Irish neighborhood with black kids. They weren't allowed to walk in the basketball court. Okay. They weren't allowed to do anything. They got beat up. Damn, man. So when all the vans with the girls pull in, I'm like, yeah. And then they started being like, you little white honky motherfucker. Like all the girls were fucking, imagine what they went through as yeah. kids Yeah. to be where they are. They was not feeling whitey. So I was all dejected. I went to like Rockaway Playland and walked up the beach and smoked a bunch of tie stick and hash oil. Everybody was partying on the beach. Yeah. I come back to the home and there's like fucking cop cars and all kinds of shit and ambulances. The white people in the neighborhood threw Molotovs and burned some of the kids up that were in the schoolyard oh, dance. Fuck. And then when like I went up war. to my wing in 3B... This one kid, Spanish kid, was like, yo, you better get out of here. They're going to jump you. I'm like, yo, these are my friends. They ain't going to jump me. I didn't do shit. Yeah. They're like, they're going to fuck you up. And I picked the lock. And as I'm about to get out, after the counselors left, yeah. 11 o'clock, they would leave and lock everything. So I was just going to escape out the back window. Damn. And as I'm about to get out, they just fucking grabbed me, pulled me into the fucking living room and all the kids that I've been hanging out with and everything just jumped me, stomping oh, me. Fuck. Like, and the kid, the Spanish kid went down and got Keeler and my brother and this kid, Wolfie, that looked like he was another fucking crazy motherfucker. Mm -hmm. He Wolfie. had a big, what they call a Jew fro. He was mm -hmm. half Jewish and Puerto Rican. Yeah. Holy and then shit. they teed off on these kids and then Keeler was like, Nobody fuck with me ever again after that. But Keela took me down to the fucking uh, beach and was like, you're going to burn all your nigga clothes. And Jesus made me Christ. put in a bonfire all my fucking black clothes that I had. Holy and then fuck. I just kind of became a rocker after that. And that's so segue back to my first show. Yeah. Madison Square Garden in 1976. ACDC opens up, Ted Nugent and Black Sabbath. Holy shit, man. So it's I got to see a lot show. of those bands. 
And then Damn. I started getting into the punk shit because I met this chick and she was taking me to Max's. and yeah. all So then, you know, it evolved and I just loved the energy and the rawness of punk rock and she was turning me on to the albums, The Damned and The the Clash and fucking Sex Pistols. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I already knew the Ramones. The Rockaway Beach played on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that whole shit, we put the brat with a baseball, baseball bat. bat. Oh, I just yeah. love the yeah. violent nature of the Ramones shit. Yeah, yeah. So then with I melody. was wearing fucking black jeans and Converse and leather jackets and Damn. spiked my hair fucking, you know, and it was just like, all right. Yeah. Was it 70s, That's fucking 70s? 77. Damn. Because I kept getting arrested, leaving and getting arrested, and I sat through 76, and then 77, January, like right after the new year, I I, I split. I was like, fuck this. Left and New York? I never went, yeah. So I had three cases by the time they finally caught up with me. The cops. Oh, fuck, you on the run for a while. Yeah, I was on the run, and then I was on the run 15 years when I was AWOL. Cause I caught a case in the Navy. I got out of lockup and caught another drug case. And they were like, my mom's was dating the Navy recruiter. At she knew this recruiter that she dated or whatever the fuck. He's like, I can get your whole shit exonerated, and you go into the Navy on your, the buddy program with your brother E. Okay, the three charges dropped and go to the Navy. No, the three charges were, I did time for those. Okay, okay. This was another charge when I got out. I sold fucking to an undercover cop. Damn. And then they caught me with bags. I was holding heroin for the junkies in Rockaway Beach on 116. Oh, so they shit. caught me with that, and I sold weed to an undercover. Damn. So then they were like, you're going to do four to six in the lockup or four years Navy, so... As I always say, the state didn't raise no fool. I said, give me the fucking four years. Got into boot camp. Everything was going good. Got down to Norfolk and started smuggling and hustling and selling drugs. Damn. And, uh, you know, my ship, I was... On the base? Yeah, on the base. I, I was selling acid, pills, cocaine, weed, whatever the fuck. Like, I... So... How old were you then? 17. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 18. 18. 19. So now you're the Navy. Now you're still hustling. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm smuggling on the ship. I went to Jamaica. I snuggled back pounds. Smug- smuggled pounds of weed back. Fuck. Fucking. So then I sold pills to an undercover cop at this punk rock club that had punk shows. Yeah. Like, I was at a 999 show. Nice. And we talked about that. Sold- great band. Everybody was just standing there. I was diving off the stage onto the tables, and the guys from nine one one nine 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 were like, when they played Homicide and the other songs, they're like, well, here's, a, "Here's a bloke that knows how to party. <laughs> like he knows what it like." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I had been going up to the shows at uh, at the nine thirty and yeah. everything, hanging with Henry and the yeah. whole fucking crew because. There was another club, the Taj Mahal. So before I even met and saw the Bad Brains, I saw the Teen Idols and the Untouchables play there in 1980. And then I started being like, I was still pogoing, and they just came in with the engineer boots with fucking spurs and bandanas and just slam dancing. Next level shit. I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Next week, had my head shaved. Same shit. Damn. And then, uh, so yeah, I was at a 999 show. And uh, I sold pills in the parking lot to an undercover, got busted. 
And I was yeah. waiting for that case. And then that's I met the Bad Brains around that time. They played the Taj Mahal. Yeah. And then that's when the whole real seeds got planted, meeting those guys and seeing they weren't. I mean, you know, 79 Christmas, they didn't even have dreads. I met them right after that. They, okay. they had just started getting into Rasta. I yeah. sold their manager acid Okay. at the Taj Mahal in the parking lot. <laughs> That's, yeah, you know, and then... Um, it's fucking crazy, man. So then, like, I started feeling like I don't belong in this motherfucker, man. I like you. I never had a family. I never had a tribe, and that's you know as well as I yeah. do. You make your family out of this scene, and like, totally. I would fucking I would go up to D.C. every fucking weekend and fight. Marines would try to fuck with us. I remember a famous time, Danny Ingram from uh, Youth Brigade. These Marines fucked this kid up, and we just. Roll went off him. and fought these dudes and then Danny Ingram jumped up on a fucking with his chain because we all used to wear these chain big belts. bike chains and then he's lashing these dudes on the car of their in their convertible fuck like we would just in fight streets. anybody and uh, I started feeling more and more like this is my tribe like yeah yo this is this is where I belong yeah so I'm waiting because it was a civilian case Okay. But then um, I went out to sea and, uh, you know, you, I was on this new ship. So to see the first, I had shore duty because it was a pre-commissioned unit for a yeah. new ship. So while you're waiting for that ship, yeah, I got sure to get built in Newport News. I had shore duty. So then when the ship went out to sea, there's one redneck. He, he, he just always fucked with me. He was like, you fucking faggot, New York punk rock faggot. And I'm like... Motherfucker, Damn. like, if you knew where the fuck I came from exactly. before I came here, you would be a church mouse. Yeah, you wouldn't be saying shit. So I, I just had enough, man. I, uh, you know, the charges were getting more serious, and then they restricted me to the ship. Uh, Did fight I, I wasn't dude? allowed to go on Liberty when the ship pulled him to Bermuda and all okay. this Puerto Rico and all this shit. And I had to work and they took all my pay. So Damn. I was basically like working in the hot sun for these motherfuckers for free as a boatswain mate. And then this dude just said some shit to me one day. and Same guy kept talking shit. Yeah, and I just fucking Snapped. locked him in a paint locker and beat him down bad. And Fuck. then they locked me up on the ship. And I had gotten wisdom teeth pulled. It's like you start to see how the universe takes a hand in every mm -hmm. little fucking thing because I got my teeth, wisdom teeth pulled. They got infected, so they had to medevac me off the ship oh, in the shit. middle of the Caribbean by helicopter back to Puerto Rico. And this was before computers, so they didn't tell them I was supposed to be a prisoner, like uh, handcuffed to the fucking bed. Okay. And then the <laughs> ship was gone down to Argentina and everything, shellback, crossing the equator, Brazil, all that. So they're like, well, they're not going to fly you back to the ship. We're going to, we have to send you back to Norfolk. They gave me an ID card. So I was just going, hanging and partying back in Norfolk. And then the guy tipped me off. He's like, yo, your fucking ship is coming in. You know? And then like, wink, wink. Mm. And as I was rolling out the gate on the bus, Fucking master at arms were like at the light getting ready to cross to go to Nimitz Hall to get me. 
Damn. And I just shrunk, shrunk down in my seat and fucking rolled out the gate, and that was it. Holy was fucking shit. AWOL for 15 years. You went back to New York? Yeah, went back to New York. I went to D.C., and I stayed at Henry Rollins and Ian Mackay's house. Wow. For like 10 days or something, and then they were like, all right. <laughs> Henry was like, you're eating my food every fucking day. It's time for you to go. Nicely, though. You yeah. Know, he was mad fucking cool. Yeah. And Wow. Uh, so the undead played the 930 club that night and they had New York license plates. And I was like, yo, can you give me a ride back to New York? And they were like, yeah. Got out the van. First motherfucker I seen. HR. Wow. Fucking standing in this. Actually, wow. the first person I ran into was Harley. And he was like, because I met him with the stimulators when okay. they played the 930. Okay. And then uh, he's like, yo, I'm going over to meet HR. And then fucking HR was at the... He's like, we're going to run into each other again. And then he was living at 171. He's like, Rastafari, full on dreads. Damn. And I moved in, and, you know, at slightly right after that with, with them guys. And started going on the road with them and stuff, right? Yeah, well, it took me. The hitmen were on that block and kept fucking with them because they didn't want punk rockers. And that was their drug spot, that whole block, okay. 11th. So, so no, was a crew. they that came was a crew. in there. Smacking kids around I was like yo Let's get these motherfuckers Like JW was like Yo They kill people Don't fuck Don't start nothing So the, the dude yeah. Crazy Eddie Tried to stab me And I You know Just playing around With a knife And I was like yo The band was playing I was like yo If you do that again I'm gonna fucking kill you And like He didn't hear what I said But when we went outside They were smacking everybody Get the fuck out of here Don't come back and I just didn't leave, and he came up to me, and he was like, "Yo, you, 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 you don't, you can't hear what the fuck we said." Mm. I said, "Yeah, I heard you. I ain't leave." You know, mouth off to him, and then he <laughs> tried to stab me. I blocked it. I fucking cracked him. The this leader, one of the, dudes, one, yeah. of the, one of the main dudes. Fuck. fuck. And he went down, and I took his head. I snapped. I was on a quaalude, still doing drugs. <laughs> Gor- gorilla so biscuit cool. for those who motherfuckers don't know. Word. That's why you get gorilla strength and think you're invincible. So I started bashing his head off the curb as I had him down outside 171. And then uh, damn, the other motherfuckers came at me and I took my chain off and I got in a chain fight with these motherfuckers. And every all the punk rockers, not one of them helped me. Wow. And then man. I tried to run back in the studio and it was one of the bad, one of the beastie boys tried to lock the studio door on me and I pushed in and I got stabbed in the shoulder. Went out the back window. Fuck. And then nobody would hang out with me because they had a fucking... Bounty on you, kind Terminate of. on site. Like, they were like, yo, we're going to kill that motherfucker. And then I couldn't <sighs> come to Avenue A at all. And then I just walked up there one day. And I was like, all right, motherfuckers, let's do this. And they surrounded me. Like, take them to the building, mm-hmm. which was up the street. And uh, that's when Doc and Daryl ran out of the studio right then. And were like, yo, 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 yo. Wow. Hold up. They're like, yo, this don't concern you, Dread. And Doc and Daryl were the ones that squashed it. That's amazing, man. And then he gave me respect. They're like, you the only white motherfucker, white boy out of all these motherfuckers that got any heart. They stopped fucking with 171, and then the Bad Brains let me, and then I moved in. Wow. And man. then I started roadieing with them and that's they got me a job at a health food store and yeah. the rehearsals with the Cro Mag started with Dave 
Han was the Bad Brains manager. Dave Stein, not yeah. the lawyer, another okay, Dave Stein one. on guitar. And we started working. What year was that? 81. Fuck. And then we, and then in August, the band broke up. It's in the big takeover. And the reason was Harley was treating everybody like shit. And Dave Hong quit. He's like, I'm not nobody's doormat. So then, wow, uh, so you want, damn. and then they played a show calling it the disco smoothies and whatever. It was like some stupid shit, but you know, I went on and went on the road with the Bad Brains and we did Blood Clot, which yep. was all the roadies, and then came back to New York and then Bad Brains started hanging with like some radical fucking Nation of Islam Rasta dudes that were like get rid of fucking whiteies. Wow, man. So they, I got dissed. What album was that? Would it be around? Do you know? Was that? That was. I was there when they recorded the raw cassette. Okay. This was after the raw cassette. Okay. We were touring the raw cassette, yeah. and it was just I was there when they made that record, and what I saw. Uh, I mean, my, I get goosebumps to this day. Yeah, man. Being in the engineer booth with J Dubs and watching. The most incredible fucking shit. And then having HR explain the lyrics to me, going to make vegan sandwiches in fucking Tompkins Square Park. We would go to this bakery, get avocados and fucking peanut butter and fresh bread and then sit in the thing talking about Babylon and the revolution. And like, it just affected me. And then they got me a job at a health food store. So they're the ones that kind of got you into the plant-based life, A hundred fucking percent. Yeah, inspired you, Because J.W. Lee was a fucking raw foodist. Okay. Their sound man who produced that record. Way back Which, no one ever made them sound like the Bad Brains. That was the only dude. You will not find another record where they sound like the Bad Brains. Wow. Past the raw cassette. That's great. And, um, you know, so yeah, it was just a magical fucking time man yeah uh, when they kind of stepped me off you know because they were like you cited up other run-ins like the yoga shit and whatever the fuck but i remember going and like being in the van going to boston and they're playing farrakhan tapes hr for like fucking four hours like white man's the devil and i'm like yo you believe this shit like what what the fuck is this dude so then like i got dissed and uh it kind of fucked me up because, like, I thought I really felt. Well, it's the same thing that happened that was when you my were a brother. kid, though. When you were dressing like, it's the same thing happened when you were a kid when you were dressing like all soul. Yeah. And you had your pe- and then like that got yeah. shut down. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, and uh, you know that's the other thing is like it kind of fucked me up. And then uh, I had gotten into the Christian stuff, and then I was like, I just went and became a monk for two years almost. Wow. And what got you into the Krishna conscious? I worked at this health food store. So the Bad Brains um, first single, The Pay to Come, Stay Close to Me, was produced by Jimmy Quid. Okay. Jimmy Quid was in The Dots. Okay. The drummer from The Dots, Vinny Signorelli, who's now the drummer for The Unsane, was the manager of the store. Okay. So every day we used to go over there and he would feed us. And then they were like, yo, we need somebody. They gave me a job. And then I was talking with Vinny every day, and he was telling me about the Bhagavad Gita, took me to the temple. I was like, yo, this is some deep philosophical shit. Yeah. Well, you, then, you weren't a religious kid at all, right? Nah, hell no. Yeah. I hated it because the motherfuckers would make, would make us go to church and act like they were Christians and fucking while they're doing all this shit to us. So yeah. I was like, fuck this shit. Fuck religion. Fuck all. It wasn't religion. It was spirituality, you yeah. know, like yoga and... 
yeah just deep stuff you know i was like you know i still had all this shit going on from what happened to me as a kid yeah. which it was always like wounds that never heal like a bone that don't set properly yeah or or a wound that's just scar tissue and keeps ripping open like anytime something would happen especially someone backstabbing me or yep. or betraying me it triggered shit it would trigger shit yeah. and i would just f- fly off the handle yeah. and either want to hurt people or do shit to myself which i self-medicated and stuff like that all the way it, to 1990 when I relapsed in 88 from that shit that went down. But, yeah. uh, you know, it took me, you know, like now I'm 58 this year. And it's like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, you're in such a great place in your life. I'm like, motherfucker, you didn't see everything. It took me, you know, 50 something years. It's been a struggle, man. Mentally for everything for you. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, so when I left the temple... They had gotten the crow. Like, I, Harley would see me at Tompkins Square Park and be like, yo, fuck this Krishna shit. Come on, I'm getting the band back together. I was like, nah, man, this is what I'm doing. And then they had, they got Eric Casanova to do two shows, and um, Harley fired him. And then I was already out of the temple. Yeah. And then... Uh, was Blood Clot named after a nickname you got from the Bad Brains? What happened was every time something went wrong, they'd be like, fix the blood clot, this, the blood clot, that. And I was Earl's uh, drummer, drum tech. So it was my job to fix the shit. And then the roadies formed a band and they called it blood clot because we fixed the blood clot situations. (laughs) And then there was other Johns on the scene. So they're like, oh, John who? John from blood clot, John blood clot. And then, you know, blood clot. So that's amazing. That's how that shit came about. It's interesting because H2O started as roadies for sick of it all. Yeah, they did was I a joke. I know your history, yeah. brother. And then you give me my name, Toby One Kenobi. Toby One, <laughs> Taras <man>. Class. <laughs> Taras. Taras Class. So we got Adam Blake in the house. Adam. So we just got, we're talking about, we're talking about on his Krishna conscious when that started and stuff. Adam Blake, come in. Sit down, Blakey Blake. Talking to John now. John's telling good shit. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's how that went and then you know the funny shit was i was a christian in hawaii and like i tell all the funny stories about doing wheelchair center and the, you know but i was always a competitive motherfucker even on the streets when it came to like hustling or yeah you know i was with these dudes that were murderers and they're like take this pipe and go smash that dude across the face with it fuck until he's unconscious and i would do it because fuck. that's the type I always had this competitive nature. Yeah. And the, they knew that shit because I started out in Hawaii and the and the Hawaiians were beating up the Krishnas and taking all their money on Kalakaua Avenue. So I came to the temple in Hawaii because I was working on the sailboat. There was this magazine, Back to Godhead, and they had a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got fucking boats and mate skills, like navigation and yeah, rigging and Navy all that. Shit, yeah. I called them up. I was like, yo, I just came out of the Navy. They're like, come on out. So I go out there, <laughs> and I was just working on the Jaladutta too. The Jaladutta was the boat that brought Prabhupada from India, and it was this sailboat that sailed around the islands, and they gave programs and cooked prashadam and chanted it was fucking amazing yeah sailing around swimming in kanioe bay and fucking working on this boat and then i came back to the oahu temple in koela way 
and I'm eating breakfast one day, and a devotee comes in, and his face is all fucked up. I'm like, what the fuck happened to him? They're like, oh, the Hawaiians, they keep beating him up and taking his money. I was like, what? Mm. I was like, and then there was this other big white dude who was a boxer. He was a pro boxer, and he was fucking big. Yeah. So then I was like, he's like, yeah, man, like, I go down there, but it's too many of them. I was like, well, yo, I'll go down there with you tomorrow. Let's fucking, they're not going to touch this guy no more. Let's fucking yeah. go down and handle it. Yeah. And, you know, I boxed in lockup. I fucking, yeah. I went in 135 and like they say, you got to get your weight up. I hit the weights. I boxed. I was always a, a street fighter. Yeah. So then I just started getting real nice with the hands and, yeah. and they even took up some martial arts or whatever. You know, I learned all that elbow striking and all the knee shit way back before anybody was into that shit. Yeah. And then, uh, so we, I went down the next day and this fucking, they would make cookies for the, uh, for the, for the Hawaiians, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Thinking like, oh yeah, we'll give them cookies and, you know, their philosophy is if you give them prashadam, it's going to change them, right? So he goes... You know, they call white people howlies, right? So they go, so this big fucking Hawaiian dude, big dude, goes, hey, howly Krishna, mm. to the, my friend who was the big money collector. He's like, let yeah. me get a cookie, brah. So he goes to get the cookie, and as he bends over, boom, fucking cracks him. I was like, what the fuck? So I squared off with the dude, and... uh it was outside the international marketplace and they had these square yeah. cement things with that they put the flowers in. Yeah. And they had spikes sticking up so that nobody sat on it. Yeah. So I just started duking the dude and then I p pressed him on it and I jumped up and the shit punctured his fucking lung and like Fuck. I fucked him up and they locked me up. Oh shit, Hawaii. You spit in my face and came at me when I was like, yo. So then there was a witness, mm. and um, they said, no, 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 man. I saw everything that happened. The guy assaulted him, and then he tried to stop it, and then he fucking punched, came at him and spit at him, and he just defended himself. But while I was in lockup, they saw my death before this honor thing in the jail, and they're like, you, you escaped from the military. I was like, nah, I had a fake ID the Krishnas gave me. Oh, shit. But, you know, Fuck. I came, I got out. And I went back down, and all those dudes were like, because their whole scam was they sold beet weed to the fucking tourists. They okay. sold, like, they made shit out of seaweed, and they would rip the tourists off. So then the That's dude crazy. was like, I fought these Marines one time, these born-again Christian Marines attacked the devotee. I mean, I was fighting like crazy. You became like a Christian warrior in a sense. Like yeah, I was fighting motherfuckers because I'm like, you're not going to put your hands on these devotees. But then that guy got out and they rolled up and I was like, oh, shit. He's like, hey, man. Like, yeah. I was like, look. Because he came back and, and I started telling the tourists, don't buy, sh that's fake weed, man. Don't buy that shit. So mm. then it was like this whole... I was like, yo, I'm not scared to fight any of you motherfuckers, man. I'll fight you to the fucking death. Because, you know, the philosophy, yeah. if you die on the battlefield, you're exactly. getting an elevated birth. Chuchia. So I <laughs> had no fear of nothing. Yeah. I was like, look, 
you got your gig and we got ours. Don't fuck with us. We won't fuck with you. Yeah. And then I showed him how to make the fake acid shit that I was making <laughs> on the streets. And then fuck. they just never bothered us again after Damn. that. And then the funny shit was I saw these people had just saw the Bad Brains in 80, the end of 82 when they played in L.A., and they had the Bad Brain shirt on. And then I was like, wow. And it was like this hot punk rock chick and a boyfriend. And I was like, I, I, you know, I, my mind started wandering. And I started being like, you know, homesick. Yeah. And then I lasted uh, a little I, after a year. Uh, I went back to New York. But then I was the biggest collector out there. Besides this other guy that I was protecting, making crazy money. Okay. So when I got back to New York, they were like, the guy who was the guru for a scammer from Hawaii sees me in a Brooklyn temple and was like, I helped them move from 7th Avenue to Brooklyn. And then he's like, that guy's huge. We have to get him in the temple. He's a big collector. So I joined New York. For, What's a big collector? You always got the good I donations. I was able to get... I had a quota of like $3,000 a week. Damn. Collecting for the Krishnas? Yeah. Scan hustles, man. Stickers and fucking whatever the fuck. Wheelchair Santa I was doing. Christmas time. So that's scams that Krishnas would run to make money. Dude, you the first time they got this thing called the Christmas Marathon and I'm eating chow, all of a sudden I start seeing Raggedy Ann's, mimes, clowns, like all these motherfuckers... Coming in costumes. I'm like, what the fuck is this? They're like, oh, it's the Christmas marathon. Wow. Like, everybody's a big fundraiser right now. And, like, you know, they were saying it's to give out books. It was to pad motherfuckers' bank accounts. So I collected all this money. And I came in second place in the marathon behind this guy, Adi Perush, who was just... Me and him were neck and neck. You know Adi Perush? Blonde haired, yeah. they burned him out. They took his van. Like these dudes were having, you know, this one dude had boyfriends and fucking stealing money and buying Persian rugs to have sex on in the Trump Towers. The other guy was fucking Jesus boning Christ. a 15 year old girl and stole $2 million. They were like the worst of the worst, but they hid everything from us. But there's good Christians too that could yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. The innocent ones yeah, are yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. It's the leaders that are corrupt, and I won't even mention who's the leaders now, but it's the same shit. They're scamming. They fucking got bank accounts in their Western names. Ramapod got kicked out of the Brooklyn Temple. Like, all these guys. So after we collected all this money, everybody in the temple, the Christmas Marathon, we beat every other zone. We had the fucking most ruthless. We would be out in a van traveling freezing one van uh parked against something and left the van on and the and the the fucking um carbon monoxide killed fucking four of the people and the only way the one devotee survived was they rolled on top of him and what yeah like the fuck it was crazy shit they worked us This one devotee had boils everywhere. We're like, look, we need a hotel room so he could take a hot bath. And Ramapah was like, you absolutely cannot spend even a penny of this money for him to steal it. And this devotee's suffering 
Adi with Adi Perush with fucking boils all over his skin. Jesus Christ. Like man. just fucking ruthless, disgusting people. And then we come back after risking our lives. I fell through the ice doing Santa Claus and shit, running into a bar, almost drowned. <laughs> you were doing Santa Claus? Yeah, I thought it was a parking lot. I'd run out and I was gonna go in through the back door. It was the last like bars that we were hitting bars dressed as Santa, busting the door. Ho, ho, ho. Fucking make three hundred dollars. I run down this embankment, what I think is a parking lot, because it was snow, and then I get out like twenty feet, and I hear, <laughs> boom, Damn. fell through the fucking pond, almost died. Holy shit! Crawl out, still run into the back door and do two hundred dollars. They're like, "What gross. happened to you, Santa? I got fucking." Pond, scum, fucking shit everywhere in my Santa suit. I said, oh, the sled missed the roof. We landed in the pond. They were like, oh. They all left the other devotee and fucking came to me buying candy canes for five hours. We worked traffic lights, everything, dude. And then we, I turned in every fucking penny. I never took a dime. Never took a penny. Yeah. Not even one fucking penny. And then... After we turned in, they did the whole, the winner, uh, you know, second place, Jayananda. You know, everyone's applauding you that I made $3,000 for fucking, you know, five weeks. Yeah. That's how the wheelchair Santa shit came. They had us out there in November, even before Thanksgiving. Damn, man. And we were working the fucking strip malls in Long Island on Sunrise Highway in a Santa suit. And motherfuckers were like, get the fuck out of here, Santa. So then there was a heat wave. It was fucking 70-something degrees, and they made us work out there with Santa suits. And I got this jock itch that was so bad I couldn't walk. My knee fucked up. Like swamp ass? I hurt myself in the Navy. Okay. And the knee fucked up on me. So then I was like, well, I guess my marathon's over. And then the Sankaton dude who was in charge goes, oh, no, 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 no. Pushes out this motorized wheelchair. He's like, you're going out as an invalid who never forgot the meaning of Christmas to give. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then I was like, what? Wait a minute. What if I went out as Santa in a wheelchair and his fucking, he was like, that's genius. So then when I got in the wheelchair, I started working the fucking joystick with the bent wrist. Oh, my God, dude. I'm like, he's gooming. Like, you know. Holy fuck. Like, just crazy shit, but. How old are you then, you think? It's fucking what? 83. 83. I was 20, 21. Wow. So pretty much from your own, you've been hustling on the streets anywhere you can survive. And then they, they, they picked up on that, that this dude got... I was like, I got street skills in Hawaii, I told them, man. Let me out there. First day, I beat everybody. I collected more than everybody. Fuck, and we used man. to do these plaques. They would take wood. Now, they would sell these motherfuckers in the international marketplace for $20. they take a piece of wood and a router and make little ridges in it, burn it, put a postcard of Hawaii, and then shellac it. So you would do gotcha. these to the tourists. They get a book and that for five bucks. And then I was just beating everybody. But I was really into telling people about the philosophy, but they didn't give a fuck. They yeah. just were like, we want the postcard. <laughs> but yeah, they picked up on it and were like, 
So then after we turned in all the money, every fucking penny, we weren't even allowed to buy a bottle of water. It's crazy. That's how fucking, we couldn't even buy spring water. That's how these fucking hoarding motherfuckers were. And then um, the next morning we come down, there's cops all over the fucking... You've been to the Brooklyn Temple in the lobby there. Yeah. Adam Blake lived there, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? They're like, somebody stole all the Christmas marathon money. Damn. They didn't put all the money. You're talking hundreds and thousands of dollars. And they didn't put it in the safe conveniently. Somebody punched through the wall, the sheetrock wall, opened the door, went in and took all the money. And the cops were like, it was an inside job. I'm hearing them say that. Now, Vakreshwa Pandit, who's a scumbag, was raping women, selling guns, selling fucking steroids, asked me to sell fucking drugs for him when I came to a Sunday feast. This is after I left the temple. Jesus. But yeah, he 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 was in on it. Then I started hearing from this devotee Kapindra, uh that this is all one big scam. They're all doing what Prabhupada didn't want, and he started hyping me to the shit. So then I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And you know the pressure they put on you, Adam, to leave. I had to go. You want to talk a cult? You think you could just walk out the motherfucking front door? Oh, no. You ain't walking out mm. the fucking front door. I told Harley I was coming to the squat that I was leaving. Yeah. I had to go to the roof, put my possessions. So Sunday nights, they would put all the black garbage bags outside the temple for the trash the next morning. So it would be like five feet piled high of bags. I had to go to the roof, put my possessions in a black garbage bag, and throw it off the roof. So that it landed in the pile. So I walked out with one bag acting like I was taking the trash. I picked up the other bag, went to the A train, and showed up at the fucking squat. That was it. And then Vakresh and all them came to the squat. And I had the pit bull Lucifer, who was a maniac dog. And he was trying to kill him. So I hear this tapping on the door. I was living in there with Harley and 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 uh, Eric Casanova. I hear this light tapping. I'm like, I open it up. The fu- all the devotees for creation, the whole scam unit was there. Like, what are you do? You living in a palace and look where you at now. I was like, this is where I belong. Mm. This is yeah. this is my home. Yeah, I'm not leaving. And then the dog tried to rip his fucking face off. I was like, you think you better go? So I didn't go back. Fuck. And uh, and then Eric, I was at the two shows he did at CB's, whatever. It was, you know, he couldn't remember the lyrics, and Harley was fucking fired him. And then I had to audition against Roger because Paris really? wanted Roger. Ro- Roger, Paris wanted Roger, and Harley wanted me. And well, I didn't know that. The thing was, I came out of the temple with all the knowledge of. Bhagavad Gita, Age of Quarrel, started writing all these lyrics, and I was like, this dude was, you know. You're on a spiritual tip. Yeah, and Harley was just, go do what you do, and, and that's what I did, and they were like, Mackie and Paris just looked at, Mackie and Harley looked at Paris, and it's like, you know who got the gig. Yeah. Not nothing against Roger, but yeah. uh, I, that was my gig. Yeah. yeah. You were in Agnostic Front. This is my band. 
and I did what I do on stage. And I was jumping off the drum riser, throwing fucking spinning round kicks at Kevin's head. <laughs> but then, you know, now, you know, it is it is what it is, whatever. You know, yeah. we'll do whatever the fuck. And, uh, you know, I'm out here. I'm, uh, we got a guitar player. You know, we lost Todd a little while ago That's from Blood used. Clot. And out of respect. We waited a while to audition people, so that's what I'm doing out here now. Uh, music, you know, yeah. I'm uh, we're rehearsing out here with the new guitar player, and uh, we got new music written. And you know, you know the the, the, the Chromex shit is nostalgic, man. Like to do those songs, you know, the great songs. Nobody man. wants to see that dude sing them songs. That, I, that I, and I'm just saying that because that's the feedback I got, and and it's like I'm the singer of that album, and I wrote the shit on that album and a majority of it. And, and if we do shows here and there, fine, but we're not going to fucking beat a dead horse or, or write hashtag real chrome eggs or any shit like that. We do it and you see how we do it's loving and with everybody in the audience and we're not up there telling audience people off, stay the fuck off my stage. I'm handing them my, go ahead, man, sing motherfucker. Take the mic. Yeah. You know, it's always been a good vibe. Would you thing. guys make? Like, new, would you guys make new music? Maybe or no? Who? Oh, I don't know. You know, look, I make. You know, it's been years, it's but I. Time, I yeah. That's why I did the Blood Clot record because I want to like. Yeah. Oh, I want to do new music, and me and Todd fucking put that album together, and it did really well. And then he relapsed and OD'd, and and now we're doing uh, we're doing new music, and it's all about you know my whole shit is keeping the PMA, and I don't want to be around people. That, um, that, you know, like deep down have a hatred for you because then it's fake. See, it's never about, I don't care how much money was on the table. It was, I'm not going to, you know, play with this dude or anybody just for some money because yeah. that's not what it's about. It's about the love of the music and them songs and that type of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, you got you got amazing books out. You yeah, fucking, I got, I just you're doing the Iron finished Man. Finished my fourth book. Yeah. It's a it's a plant. You have a lot of cookbook. positive things going on besides I all. I got this the PMA stuff. effect. My memoir, yeah. Meaties for Pussies, which is kind of yeah. like a comedy thing. Yeah, it's great. Throwing book, it though. back in the fucking meatheads' face, who were like, "Yo, you fucking pussy. You don't eat." Yeah, meat. that's a great book. And and, uh, and I'm writing and then uh, but the evolution competing in in. Uh, I just did my eleventh Iron Man. That's amazing. How old are you now? 58 this year. Yeah, man. So I, f I feel like through your whole life from the beginning, from being in the orphanages and getting your, your dad being abusive, and then you being in the streets, and then you like going to the military, trying to escape your reality, and then becoming Christian conscious, escape your reality, and then the fallouts with your bandmates, and then where you are today. Like, how do you. One bandmate. Yeah, one bandmate. Yeah. How do you feel as far as your. Like, looking back on your legacy, I guess. And we, we, we it's not a legacy. Well, we continue yeah, to yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, We continue to make it. Now, now you've transformed it to an, like a writer. You do Iron Man's. You're fucking writing scripts. You can do, and probably I speak, do movie. I just did a documentary working with prisoners. Yeah, that's cool. Trying to pay it forward. That's really cool. Life with Kip Anderson. To me, it's about service to others. That's where I'm at now in my life. Like yeah. you know that too. That's the whole bhakti philosophy. Yeah. Is to help other people, and that's really what I try to do to the core of my heart. You know, even like. I went out trying to help feed the homeless and this dude has to go online and say I'm scamming people. Motherfucker, I just got a $30,000 motherfucking publishing check and all kinds of shit. I don't need to go out like 
and do this shit and 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 I got a quarter million dollar fucking I'm not bragging I'm just saying I got a quarter million dollars from fucking Harper Collins Publishing. Yeah, that's like, amazing. Wow. And, and and a record deal from from um fucking Metal Blade. It's like it's it's about humbling yourself out and going and handing out those books and giving out these hats and then giving the money to Adi and saying and, and dude has to write oh yeah he's scared like. It, 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 my life has just really become about trying to help and, and service to other people and paying it forward, paying the yeah. information forward. And, and the thing is, though, if you know you're doing good, that's all that matters. Yeah. You know what you're doing as a person. You're trying to keep the PMA. It's a struggle for all of us. Regardless of what people are talking about you, you know who you are. Yeah. You know what you've done and accomplished. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I could have owned a house. Instead, for 10 years, I kept the uh, Bhakti Center open on, on St. Mark's. And I don't even want to tell you how many hundreds of thousands of dollars I spent to keep that place open for I 10 years. I remember that place. I remember that place. But it's like, my mom's was like, you're crazy. You could own a house. And mm-hmm. then I said, just come and see what this place does. She came to the Sunday feast and saw all the people that that place helped out. And she never, she's like, now I get it. Now I understand. Yeah. Because like, we all come from fucked up shit. You come from crazy mm-hmm. shit. We all yeah. do. So it's like the music. I think that's and, why we're all together in this music world, this scene especially. Yeah, and then we were like, outcasts. You know, and, and then it's like, you know, you, 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 you know, like I said, it's my tribe and my tribe has expanded to, you know, I, I get fucking a hundred fucking every two days, a hundred letters of, Yo, man, I went plant-based. Yeah. I got the YouTube cooking channel, The it's Hard awesome. Truth. Yeah, you put, and, put positive it, shit it, out it, there. It's like I'm just trying to put shit out there of what worked for me to keep me sober and clean. And yeah. So I meet people in the plant-based community, vegan, schmegan, whatever the fuck, the Iron Man, yeah. the writing the shit, books. the literary, the music. You inspired a lot of people. But, you know, people inspired me. And yeah. I'll tell you something, because last summer we did a... Cro-Mags, um, we toured with Clutch and Killswitch. And yeah, it looked like a sick tour. So we played this outdoor show in Providence. And uh, one of the old school cats comes up to me. He was in McRad. Yeah, I love McRad. Z- What's his name? Fucking, uh, I forget his name. Chuck Trace? Nah, not Chuck. The guitar player. Okay, I don't know He plays name. with HR now. Okay. I'm just having a fucking senior moment. His eyes here. did something crazy when you did that. They kind of went bugged out. No, I went like that. Went I crazy. stretched it. Oh, yeah. But, um. This guy's doing eye stretches. So I said, uh, yeah, I just got off the fucking plane. Six and a half this hours. This guy's amazing. straight to my crew. Thank you so much, John. No, Can't but, but HR was sitting in his car with his wife, and the, and the window was down. And um, he comes up to me and goes, yo, man. Like this cat that plays with HR, he's a white Rasta dude. And he goes, um, yo, man, you look great. You look fit. Like, you you know, I follow you on social media. You're helping so many people. And I pointed at the car. I go, you see that man right there? I said, that's the candle that lit 10,000 other candles because that man took time out of his life in 1980 to mentor me and teach me all that shit in the beginning. And I went on to teach other people and they taught other people. So that's how it worked. But all of that came from that man right there. I would not be doing what I'm doing. 
Like when we went on tour with Bad Brains, I was out running with HR and then training with him and yeah. doing all this positive stuff. Yeah. And he was that PMA. Yeah. You know, what is that? When I first heard attitude, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is that P positive mental attitude yeah. that no matter what you go through in life, if you got the right mindset, you could get through anything. And that resonated with me, especially when I was going through all that shit. I came out of jail and then of I'm shit, drugged man. out and fucking slinging shit in the military and just so lost. There's so many lost souls that just go into the military. Not everybody goes in there now to be a Green Beret or a fucking SEAL. Yeah. It's like a lot of lost people that don't know what to do with their fucking life that are looking for something. Yeah. And I think it's good that, you know, although these wars from the military industrial complex are fucked up, we're, we're over fighting wars for this and that. And I have my views on that whole yeah. shit. But to get that discipline, like, it's a good thing. Yeah. And had I not gone into the Navy when I did or... Tro chose the jail and got out after whatever yeah. two years I wouldn't be sitting here with you but everything True. led me down this path yeah. that's why I said that's the man right there like I give all credit to Spark. him he took me to the health food store he m got me to meet Vinny Signorelli who taught me about Prabhupada yeah. and, and just that whole it's a whole like domino effect it is man also, and you're putting when, that shit out, the, out to the universe. Yeah, it comes back to you, man. you're putting out positive energy. People yeah. say to me, yo, man, I say, you don't owe me nothing. You know what? You just pay it forward. You totally. go help somebody else now, and you reach out, and you help somebody else that's struggling, and, and that's it. We're even. I You don't have no debt to me. I'm just I'm just paying it forward because that's what I said. I, how do I pay you back? Yeah. And I was, you can't. You just pay it forward. Yeah. So that's... You know, what Tell I try to life. do with the books and, and, and just everything. And even when I put out Evolution of a Cro-Magnon, it was like so many people hit me up and were like, Woody Harrelson read the fucking book. It's awesome. It, it, it's just become this cult fucking book yeah. of, of this great story. Book, yeah. But it's really meant, like it was a struggle saying what happened to me and my yeah, brothers being totally. molested and all this man. shit. And yeah. I avoided that. I would I never get to that, that part of the book and just break down crying and have to stop. Yeah. And then not write for three months. That was very strong of you to write that I and mean, put that out there, Took, man. It was it was very, very difficult to 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 put that out there. But by sharing that but, with other but, people. But so many people hit me up, the same shit happened to yep. me, having the courage, you helped me. And it was my writing teacher, Robert McKee, who actually, you know, he was the one because I was Writing a script. You remember Priscilla? Yeah. We were writing, and a lot of the stories was based on what I went through as a kid. Yeah. But she knew I was holding something back, and one night I just had this dream. These older dudes in the home that were doing shit to me in this dream, we were. they made us sleep in a cold garage, and they just, in the dream, they just came and pulled the blankets off me, and I just sat there freezing, and I just woke up, like, crying hysterically. Far. And it was, it was a metaphor for what they took from me. And then I told Priscilla everything that happened. Like, you know, she never knew. I think she had an idea. I wasn't telling the whole story. And then when we went, I went to Robert McKee's seminar, the three-day story thing, which is famous. If you saw Adaptation. Yeah, Adaptation, yeah. Brian Cox played Robert McKee, nailed it. But that's 
I went there. So between when he would take the break, smoke breaks, you could go up and ask him a question. Now, I had fucking been fucking with the book, but I couldn't put that shit in there. I couldn't put those words to paper like, mm. yo, these people sexually molested me. Fuck, man. It was, I would just keep jumping over it. Yeah. But then I said to McKee, I go, yo, like, I waited till everybody else left and he was smoking a cigarette. And I was like, Mr. McKee, like, I want to ask you, you know, for my writing project, like, as far as, like, you know, a child that was abused and he stops me and he goes, child abuse is the number one cliche for bad writers who can't write in-depth, deep characters with subtext and they write flat characters that the audience would not give two shits about if they didn't put the fact that they were abused or molested or whatever into the script. No one would care about that character. He goes, it's not what happens to somebody. It's what they do as a result. Mm. Fucking light came on. And then when he signed my book, he knew what I was talking about. He wrote in my book, Always write the truth in my storybook. And that's when I wrote the book. And then I had the courage to be like, boom. Yeah. Gotta go in there. And then everybody was writing me, oh man, I had all this shit happen to me. Yeah, it's great. Very famous people. Like I'm I'm not a name dropper. Yeah. But like a lot of people were like, that shit happened to me. And you know, because like it's a fucked up world we live in, man. And people do shit to kids. That's just and you you know, that's my message. If that shit happened to you or you went through some bad shit, you gotta work it out. You gotta talk about it to the right people. I have yeah. my method of doing it. Don't keep it inside. But you don't keep that shit inside because it'll fucking destroy you. That's what made me so violent. That's what made me every time somebody did something to me, I would fucking relapse into drugs or spin out. Yeah. Or my anger, I would just go to hurt people. Cause you've been hurt, yeah. But you can't live like that. No. It took me all the way. And then my mother telling me at 40, when I was writing a book, I was like, how do I end this fucking book? And I was living the ending because I was like, how do you end a book like this? I had all this shit in there about being molested and all this shit that happened and how she chose her boyfriend over us and left us Mm. in the home. And at that time, I had the record deal. And she had this boyfriend that didn't want us around. And that's what kept us in the home. Okay. Right? So then I got the record deal. And her husband at the time was a gamble and stole everything from her. And she left and was homeless. I took my record company money and I got an apartment, furniture, everything. Meanwhile, Frank started spinning out into drugs. Your brother, yeah. Almost died. All this shit. He's had like comas. I don't know how many. I lost count. Yeah. Actually... He's got to go to the, he, he, he's saying he's going into rehab last night. I'm like, I couldn't even deal with it. It's still going on. So then I'm trying to figure out how the fuck do I end this? This was right around 9-11. How do I end this fucking book? So then 9-11 happens. And I, the day before I go and do an intervention on Frank, this lady calls me up. She's like, your brother is in my attic. He's going to be dead. Come get him. Damn. September 10th. 2001 and uh, I fucking went and got him and I dragged him 
It's like, you're either going to come with me or I'm going to beat the shit out of you, knock you out, and drag you. I took him on the ferry. Next day, the planes hit. Motherfucker had the detox in my house for a month before I could get him to to Puerto Rico and all that shit. shit. And then I got him out, and I had anger towards my mother because, like, a lot of what went's going on with him is he, you know, what happened to us. Effectively, what happened to him, yeah. So then I get in the apartment, and she calls me up. She's like, "I have something to tell you." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "I don't want you to get mad." Oh, I was like, "What?" She's like, "You know, I was lonely." I was like, "Ma," she's like, "I let Carl move into the apartment." Oh shit! The dude who didn't want me around, and that's when I blew up on. Her. I was like. I fucking it was on the phone and I was just like, you never fucking cared about us. I fucking went off on her. Damn. She's like, stop saying that. And then she told me about the rape. And Fuck. then we just sat there like, you know, crying for like 10 minutes, not saying nothing. Yeah. And that's how I ended the book. Fuck, man. You know, forgiving. It's fucking heavy, man. You know, I had to forgive her. But, uh, yeah, it was heavy. And then he turns out to have cancer. And she takes care of him. And he comes to my stoop. And this man was 240 pounds. Fucking blue collar, tough motherfucker. Yeah. 120 pounds dying of cancer. Crying on my stoop. Please forgive me. Then I had to go to the hospital. Fuck, man. And he's in a coma and give the guy beads and incense and Prabhupada chanting. Sent them off. See you later. Had to forgive the dude. So it's been a hard process. Yeah, man. You know, I get choked up still talking about it. Yeah. It's it's real shit. It is, man. You've been through a lot of shit. Now me and my mom's is tight. Yeah. You know. Is this, have you ever had therapy before? No. No. This My ther- therapy was books and music. writing, training, boxing, doing whatever, and, yeah. and, and and Iron Man and fucking and my <sighs> my Krishna conscious meditation stuff, chanting. That's how I worked through it. Yeah, you experienced a lot of pain, man. A lot, a lot yeah. of pain. But you work through it. You know, you you got to be strong. You don't quit. That's why I said the last words of evolution of a Cro-Magnon. If I if I have one message, it's to live by the code of the true warrior. Never never surrender. Never give up. Keep fighting. Stay in the fight. And that's what I be telling people now when they write me. I'm like, listen, man, you need a fucking day one. Yeah. It took me when I came back from my whole two year crack shit. I came back to New York. And it's insane what I did in those two years. To be alive talking about it, yeah. Escaping off that fucking airplane that landed. The feds was there in JFK. I got away. I had two ounces of fucking coke. And I went to a fucking... I burned every, every fucking bridge. Damn. And I went to a crack house in Alphabet City. And... Was freebasing that shit, and these dudes hit me with a fucking pipe, and took all my shit. And I went and sat in Tompkins Square Park, crying in the rain. Nothing. You want to talk about? You know, I I say that too. 
people say rock bottom. I was under the motherfucking rocks yeah. with the maggots and the worms. Yeah. That's heavy, man. And I had nothing. And I went to the temple and I said, if you don't let me stay here, I'm going to be dead. And I climbed my way out of that and I got a bike messenger job. They said, the one devotee was very cool. He saved my life. He let me live there. He's like, you have to work. I've heard all about the shit that you did. Yeah. Because everybody knew. And, um, you know, and then uh, I worked as a bike messenger and started getting in shape and racing and doing all that shit. And just day by day, I said, day one. And I didn't go to rehab. I didn't go to therapy. I had to walk through Alphabet City and get that check. My first checks working for Flash Courier Service. He gave me a job. Walk, Chris walking Flash, past all the old dealers. Who does the shadow. Mm-hmm. And you got motherfuckers smoking stems yeah. and fucking smelling crack. Walking right through and it. And I had to walk through that shit. I had to walk through fire, man. And say, I'm not. I had my day one. I said, that's it. I'm not fucking getting high anymore. Yeah. You know? And uh, and that's why I quit. And then, you know, when I was with Priscilla and everything, we, you know, I was making the brownies. I was going to say that. <laughs> no, but Hoy always says, yeah, nigga, you made some killer fucking brownies at the... You know, but then it started getting like, you know, I smoked after I left the temple and then brownies. And I started being like, you start getting those urges. And that's when I realized I'm a motherfucking addict. I'm mm-hmm. an addict for the rest of my life. I'm just choosing not to get high today. Yeah. And that's where the real tough... I started really training hard and doing all that shit and being like, you know, I'm not going to fucking, I'm not going to get high anymore. That's it. What year, what year was that? You quit. Because my going away party, 2001, I have amazing photos I sent to you and John and Adam got photos. Both of you guys high as fuck eating uh, yeah. marijuana like right brownies at, at right, my going right. away party. Well, it was right after that because what happened was after yeah. after after 9-11 with all that shit and my brother and everything, I had to Oh, weed. yeah, because I left in 2001. It was after I that. You're right. I had the weed courier service. That's right. So AJ <laughs> says to his guru, his teacher, should I play music with this guy? And the Swami says, yeah, you, you can play music with him when he gets out of prison because that's where he's going. Oh, shit. And the shit. Swami told me all kinds of shit. Because he does the Ayurvedic charts. And he knew my birth date and everything. And I'm telling you right now. That man. Called a lot of things. For a lot of people that happened. And I got popped. Because of some stupid shit. Damn. On my business. And I gave it up. And I walked the fuck away. And I said that's it man. And it was like right after that. I was like, Done. and you better tell him I was drinking. The, AJ called me Shakes to Clown because I was I was making the weed shakes, you know. <laughs> fucking AJ was like Shakes to Clown. Oh, you better shit. get off all that shit because Swami said you better stop using. There's a lot of drugs. He goes, somebody in the band's doing drugs. Damn me. And then I just gave all that shit up, and I've been. Clean and fucking sober, you know, like 100%. Not even so 18, that 18, 19 years now, yeah. Yeah, but even before that, I was like, you know, I mean, I came off like the fucking pills. You're up for fucking three, four days, freebasing, and yeah. then crack. I mean, I did the craziest shit. I was robbing the Colombians on 18th Street and 8th Avenue. 
throwing him out of my car. Your life is a movie. 80 miles an hour with Crazy Dave. He was supposed to hit him in the head with the Kyoga, bitched up. I had to fucking demo the dude. And he's trying to pull out a gun. And I'm like, got my hand on the fucking gun and driving the car and like, fucking fucking Fuck, man. And then Robin just walking up Snatching bags of fucking jumbo crack vials on Pitt Street. One time this guy sold me on Pitt and fucking Rivington, Stanton and Pitt, the projects. I'm a white motherfucker. You don't go down there in the the 80s. This motherfucker sold me soap chips, my last $20. I went back. I go, yo, you beat me. You sold me fucking soap chips. He's like, I didn't do shit, motherfucker. I, I didn't even, I didn't sell you nothing. What you talking about, white boy? Get the fuck out of here before you get done. And he was there by himself. I fucking punched that motherfucker in the face and he took off and ran into the Pitt Street projects, into the building, screaming, help, help. I chased a black man into the Pitt Street projects. Caught him in the stairwell and beat him down and took Holy all my fuck. money off of him. So, fuck. And just walking up, snatching bags of drugs off motherfuckers. Do you have any regrets with any of that stuff? Like, looking back at it now, is that no, just how you No, because, survived? like, I was like, you know, I was the type Survivor of addict that did 300 push ups a day and fucking trained in martial arts. And, like, I just was like, I'm going to get my shit. Strong arm robbery. What they call that shit? Any old school motherfuckers back in the day heard the term Jocelyn? That's what I was doing. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to get... That's why Crazy Dave loved me because I had balls and when it was time to get high and we didn't have no money, I was going to make shit happen. Yeah. My first episode with freebasing, the first time I ever freebased, I was in Miami with Crazy Dave and his brother comes in the house with fucking two kilos and he's Cuban in Miami, the Cuban cartel. It's gnarly. Right? So dig this. We start freebasing the first time. He goes, did you ever freebase before? I said, nah. They're putting the shit in the microwave and then do it and coming out with these fucking golf ball size balls. The first motherfucking hit that I ever took He's like, your life's going to change forever. I took that hit. It was, I was like, that's it. I started fucking grabbing the pipe from the other dude smoking. They're like, this dude's a dick. We're leaving. (laughs) So they left. And I was there with Crazy Dave. Which I called him Daisy Crave after that shit because he was a punk. Ran his mouth. Okay. People that run their mouth when the shit hits the fan... Then you see who's who. And um, so Crazy Dave says, you could sleep in Eddie's room. So we smoked the crumbs, and then finally he's like, yo, take these fucking Percocets and go to fucking sleep after like two days. And then I'm in his room, and he's got it all pimped out, waterbed, mirrored fucking ceilings, all the big, you know, whatever the fuck. And it was that point where, like, you're going to sleep, but you're almost the sun. It was before sunrise. Yeah. 
you go and you, I'm about to pass out after like two days of smoking freebase. And on the lawn outside, I hear these, this car roll up. And then I hear a door open. And then I hear the bolts of two fucking AR-15s. And then they did a walk around. First, they shot right into the room because that was Eddie's room. Fuck. Fucking waterbed explodes, the TV, the glass. I roll off the fucking floor. They walked around the whole house and emptied both clips, got in their car, and left. Holy shit. I thought it was fucking Eddie. I was like, that motherfucker's dead. Holly was dead. He just didn't know what we were doing. Like, you know, he was there with his girl, too. Fuck. He didn't know that we was freebasing. So then, um,. Cops come and they're like, where's the drugs? I was like, this is, if you saw Cocaine Cowboys. Yeah. That's was this time in okay. Miami. They're like, well, I was like, they ain't no drugs. They're like, nobody does what these guys did without there being drugs involved. They emptied, this is AR-15s. They emptied yeah. two clips into this house. So then the cops left and then... The fucking phone rings. Eddie had gotten word from the neighbors. He's like, yo. Dave was like, yo, what the fuck? He's like, yo, you guys better get out of there, man. I That coke was from these Cubans. I took oh, fucking Jesus two kilos. Christ. So then, and then we were like, we got to leave. And then that night, the next day, they came back. And they're outside. And Dave's talking in Spanish. And I go outside. And I'm like, oh, you guys are the ones that paid us a little visit the other night. And the dude, I never, I seen evil motherfuckers. But this dude, he goes like this and says some shit in Spanish and fucking moves his shirt. And he's got a pistol fucking right there. And he told Dave that if I don't get inside, he's going to blow my head off right there. Oh, shit. And then they turned out that they, Eddie stole that money, the coke from them. Fuck. So that was my first freebasing experience. Fuck. So it's just the drug shit will put you in bad places. So that's why I was like, even the LSD, my first trip, that guy, Bobby K, tried to murder me with a hunting knife. He had a f- fucking bad trip. Yeah. So it's like every time I've been involved with drugs, that and then Prabhupada said, drugs will bring a violent death to your life. And I've seen all these people die around me yeah, and man. all this fucked up shit happen. And I was like, you know what? I got to first, I have to put my foot down. I don't call it straight edge. I just say, hey, man, I'm clean and fucking sober. Yeah. I want to live my life. I want to, this shit I want to do. I want to get, you know, open another yoga center to help people, help <coughs> finance feeding the homeless, write some more books and yeah, TV man. shit and whatever the fuck. I mean, Howie Tannenbaum, who signed Vince Gilligan that did Breaking Bad, yeah. read my pilot about the Angel Dust Cop and and was like, wanted to work with cool. me. Awesome. So like, you know, it's real stories. Like, yeah. And from real New Yorkers in real times, it's just, the time's going to come. You, you always just keep writing. You do the work. Like, that's, that's, that's another great book by Stephen Pressfield. Anybody... The War of Art and Do the Work. And any music you're in, writing, even working, health, anything. 
I'm gonna check it's it out. It's about fighting sure. resistance. You know, you Joe even, Rogan mentioned that book too. Like when yeah. we, I was on his podcast, I talked about uh, you know, the war of art. And then he had read it and did a whole cool. post on it. Joe's cool. Yeah. I did I did his podcast, episode eleven fifty two. And he you know, <laughs> Dude, he does what he does and whatever. I, I have family members that eat meat, and some of these yeah, vegans are like, how could you even fucking be friends with him? You're a sellout. Yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, we have a lot of friends like, that aren't vegans, man. Yeah, so like family members that ain't vegan. What am yeah. I supposed to hate on them? Like, fucking who cares, man? I mean, yeah. you know, it's better if they wake up in their own time, but, you know, you, you can't force shit on people. They have to come to the platform themselves. So, yeah, I agree. I love you, Stella. We cover a lot, man. It's two hours, man. We do yeah, a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah, it's a good one, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and like you know, Toby always tells that story about when them guys jump moon. Remember? Yeah. So I was crossing the street. All right. Well, listen. You actually got the story wrong, and okay. I'm gonna clarify it here. Then we'll get a smoothie on the corner before you go. Go ahead. There's a smoothie place. Yeah, bang it. Yeah, yeah uh, health, health store. Yeah, I was in my house, not in my car. Okay. And you called me up. But and I said, think I had a phone back then, dude. No, you called me from the pay phone on 2nd Avenue. And you were like, yo, these guys are fucking with me and Moon. And that's when I came out. How many was that? I remember crossing the street in the carpool. I'd be Eddie Leeway, Eddie Cohen driving you in a car. And you jumped out. It was random. Maybe I'm just burnt. Yeah, I never had you. I didn't, we didn't talk on the phone back then, dude. I swear. Moon's crossing the street. Her friends in front of her were crossing Fourth Ave, Fourth Fourth Street. No, it was on. No, man, this Fifth was street, no Fifth Street by the dining. This was on Second Avenue, dude. Second Avenue, Fifth Street, where yeah, I live. Yeah, crossing the street. Moon cross street. She's helping some old guy. They make some derogatory comment about her. She's wearing a skirt. Blah blah. The the light changes. I'm stuck in this section. All I see is Moon and some dude's faces. Two dudes. Dude, DJ dudes. This car. One fucking, of them had a radio. Yeah, you jacked it from. This car pulls up. John jumps. Oh, that's my sister. You snuff both of them and take their shit. Then you get back in the car and drive away. I hit the dude with the radio after I cracked him. <laughs> And that's a fucking true story. I was story, delivering man. weed. Yeah, and, and he always was... stop delivering weed <laughs> to, help to smash somebody for your fucking friend and his wife. Always. Yeah, dude. We didn't. We didn't, we didn't talk on the. But yeah, that was. I, I, no, that was maybe amazing. somebody else called me. I yeah, maybe maybe, can... maybe save somebody else off a phone call. Somebody called me one time. Was like, yo, these guys are fucking jumping us, and I ran yeah, that's down. Yeah, shit. Yeah, and no, just no. fucking hammered no, these dudes. Wh- I listen, kicked one of them through a window. Listen, why the story is so good is that it was so random, and out of nowhere you jumped out like in the nick of time. It was like perfect. It yeah. wasn't set up because it was like, holy shit. And Moon's like, who the fuck's this guy? And then all of a sudden, boom, boom. And then you take off. Moon didn't car. know me? No, she did. But you said, that's my sister. And they happened so fast. You're like, boom, oh, boom, yeah, grabbed yeah. their shit and jumped in the car. Guidos, right? They was like, like DJ dudes or something. Yeah, DJ dudes. Well, John, you, you don't be- never ask questions. You just like, I don't need to ask, yo, what are you doing? I see yeah. them attacking my friends. I yeah. Just- you just roll up and handle your motherfucking business. Then I don't need to be no worse. I remember smashing his radio over his fucking head after I knocked him the fuck out. <laughs> so, I but mean, then I-, I had to get out of there. You're right, because Eddie Cohen was driving yeah, me, man. and uh, we were delivering weed. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, I got all this weed on me. Let me get the fuck out of here. Oh my god, man. Yeah. That that's that's some real New York shit though. Like just some New Yo, York shit. Yo, now it's like, you know, now what they say, everybody got thug mouths and 911 fingers. Cuz like I had a motherfucker try to steal my friend's bike tire a couple years and Yeah. fucking Spanish 20 something year old thought he was tough and 
And then like I'm like, dude, come on, and, you know. And then he like it came to like him trying to be like, what? I fucked you up. And like he pulled out a box razor and tried to slice my face. And then after I beat his ass down, he went to get the cops and had me arrested. Oh shit! So it's like it's not no honor on the street no more. That street code shit is done. Yeah. Now it's just cameras everywhere and people snitching and you've lived you lived through don't many generations snitch. many generations of the streets. Yeah, and the real tough, like when I, I, I went back and spoke at places where I was incarcerated and this one person still worked there and she told, I spoke to the kids and they were like, the person, she told them, she was one of the counselors there. She's like, before I spoke, she goes, let me tell you something. You guys all think you're tough and you run your mouths and all this stuff and you think you're tough. These guys, they were tough. Mm. And like, because, you know, the motherfuckers that was in there was like yeah. attempted murder on down. Yeah. And like, but it was no talking. It Just was action. respect. Mm -hmm. But if you cross the motherfucking line, it's like yeah. when I went into Spofford the first time, motherfucker tells me, you know, you're going to be my Maytag, big black dude. I'm like, I didn't even know what a Maytag was. I said, nah, motherfucker, you're going to be my Maytag. Fuck. Everybody starts laughing. Indoctr indoctrination. And you get a strip search, all yeah. that shit. So we were all standing there waiting for the fucking COs to come in. And then I said to the Spanish dude, I was like, yo, well, like, what the fuck's a Maytag? <laughs> like, oh, he's shit. like, yo, you just told that big motherfucker that you're gonna have, he's going to have to clean your sneakers and your shoes like a Maytag washing machine. Damn. I was like, I got up to the wing. That motherfucker tried to pull some shit on me the first night. I was in B3, and I fucking hit him over the head with a fucking chair and just smashed him out. And then his friend was in the other room lining up to go to chow. I just walked up, and I fucking I dropped him with one shot and stomped him. And then they put me in the cells, the break room, and that's how you got your respect. That's crazy, In Spofford, man. they called me Mighty Whitey after that. Wow, But man. it was like... It wasn't no talking. It's like, yo, I'm not going to stand there and have a conversation with you. That's yeah. old school New York. Yeah. But it was respectful. I'm working on this real funny book about how to survive in New York City now for New Jacks and all this shit. <laughs> but it's comedy. Yeah. You know, like, I'm a fucking 58-year-old New Yorker this year that yeah. been down fucking on the streets since the fucking 70s when this yeah, shit man. was real. You would get... I seen people get murdered in front of me for yeah. running their mouth. You seen a lot of stages. And for nothing. Yeah. That it's time when I was selling the acid and then went in the McCann's bathroom and the guy just fucking comes in with, with a fucking knife and um, the guy's in the bathroom toilet shitting. No words were ever exchanged. At first, I thought he was trying to rob me. Fucking turns around, kicks the toilet stall in, and just fucking slices this dude to pieces and kills him right then and there. And I'm Holy standing shit. there like... And I look, wow. and he's between me and the door, and I'm the only witness. And the motherfucker walks up to me with a blood dripping off the knife. Spanish dude killed a black dude looking at me. I was like, thought I was going to die. Damn. And he goes like this. Not one word was spoken in the murder or anything. And the Spanish dude 
goes like this. He puts his finger to his lip and goes, shh. Drops the blade on the floor and runs out. Damn, dude. That's the kind of shit. Wow. That's what you, the shit that you You grew up seeing and shit, yeah. Well, fuck, so you man. kept you, you bet you were respectful of everybody. Yeah. In Alphabet City back in the day, Avenue A, you were adventurous. B, you were bold. If you went to C, you were crazy. D, you were dead. Yeah. Now it's A for Abercrombie and Finch, B for Balducci's, whatever the fuck. It's like it's not, <laughs> it's not the same. And now everybody's yeah. a tough guy because they watch UFC or go do jujitsu or yeah. whatever. That don't mean shit on the street. Yeah. Because. A little crazy motherfucker like my boy that did fucking 20-something years yeah. for murder will kill you. Yeah. You didn't survive what he just survived. Mm-hmm. He just survived 20 years in gladiator school of a motherfucker's trying to take his life. Yeah. You don't know nothing about that. Yeah. So don't come down and act like you're a fucking tough guy. Yeah. Because... Somebody out there It's tougher than you Like just the other night I walked my uh, I walked my dog It was 3 in the morning He was sick He had diarrhea I had to fuck Get up and walk him out This fucking guy Is like Got his dog off the leash You know Going through the garbage cans Big brolic Fucking homeless dude This dog runs across the street Towards my pit bull And starts trying to attack him And I'm like Yo, get your fucking dog, dude. What the fuck? He's like, yo, fuck you. You don't talk to me like that. I'll fucking kill you and your dog. I was like, yo, there ain't no need for all that. Now my philosophy is, so, you know, walk away. Yeah. So then the dude was like, what? Say I won't, motherfucker. And he had a fanny pack. And I'm like, he's reaching in there. He's like, I'll stab you, motherfucker. And I'm like, if anything comes out of that fanny pack, you're going to be sorry, dude. Yeah. He's like, you know, I know all the cops. Everybody knows me. I was like, I've been in this neighborhood forever. I've never seen you before. I was like, I'm walking away. I'm taking my dog. I'm walking. Yeah, you better walk, you fucking faggot bitch. Mm. I said, yeah, you know what? Somebody's going to clean your clock, dude. I don't yeah. have to because... That mouth of yours is going to get you fucking done. Yeah, Fucking totally. a few days later, he's standing under a scaffolding of, outside of a building. And it was raining out. And I'm looking at him and his fucking eye is shut. Closed Damn. black and blue. And I walk up. I go, I could have snuffed him right there. Nobody was around. It was yeah. nighttime. That's not my life anymore. But, you know, 15 years ago. I would have fucking beat him down the minute he threatened me the first yeah. night. I go, yo, you remember me? He goes, nah, I don't know you. I say, yeah, motherfucker, think the other night with my pit bull. He goes, and then he goes, oh. I go, what happened to your eye? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I said, see, I told you that mouth of yours, bro. Somebody's going to fucking snuff you. He's like, you didn't do it, motherfucker. And I go, yeah, because if I did it, both your eyes would be fucking shut <laughs> and your fucking mouth would be shut too because I would have broke your jaw. <laughs> and I said, later, motherfucker. Have a nice life. You better keep your mouth shut around here. Damn. But, like, that's my whole thing. It's like, yo, just let motherfuckers. Like I said, 
Karma never loses in a dress, even if you're homeless. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Let's end it with that. That's a great way to end it. Yeah, I wanna, John, I want to thank you for everything you've done thank with your you. music. And I have you know friendship. I wasn't coming out here till tomorrow, but I, I came out a day early because I wanted. We've been trying to do this for a long time. Yeah, and then you know we did the one over the thing. It didn't come out right, but yo. Toby, I just got to say, you know, I talked about myself all this time, but yeah. you just been a stand-up dude and, you know, just positivity. And, and you know, you, you dealt with your share of motherfucking haters and shit yeah. like that and motherfuckers, but you live you live the life. You, you know, you live, you live the example, man. You take care of your, your family. That's a lot of respectful because you came out of a fucked up home too. Thank you, man. And it's like, look what you did, man. You raised Max, this beautiful kid now who's so respectful and so nice and you, you kept your family together, your band together. You never fucking did no grimy shit to your other band members. You've Thank been you, just man. a straight shooter the whole time and that's... That's fucking rare qualities to find in this day and age. And there's so many dudes like that. Freddie Manball and, yep. you know, Isaac's a maniac. But you know what? We that motherfucker's him. a straight shooter. Yep, I love him. You know? And, and just even the AF dudes kept it together, man. Yeah. You know, sick the Godfathers of yep. Hardcore, sick of it all. Shout out yep. to all these motherfuckers. Yep. That's the one thing. They treated their band members like family. Yeah, we are family. Didn't These do guys the my shit. Adam. I didn't want to go that's on tour tomorrow because of Adam can't come. And not to rehash, but that's what was the downfall of the Cro-Mags. Yeah. Them fan, you it's know, gonna be friendship. It's, it's a family. It, it's supposed to be family, and yeah. then you betray. And coming from a motherfucker that got betrayed by Your whole his life. Own family, my whole life, yeah. I don't take it well. But all you guys. It's something to be said. And that's the difference between New York hardcore. It's a tight-knit group. California, yeah. you don't get it because everybody's all over the fucking place. It ain't yeah. neighborhoods. New York is like neighborhood. The scene in New York, and you're it's talking special, to a man. motherfucker that been going to shows special. since 77 in Max's and seeing yeah. punk rock and then hardcore. It's a special. It, is, it was always a special thing. There's a lot of tough love too, ball breaking it's a lot love, of but it's tough real. Love it's real. and like, and if you do bullshit, you're gonna get your card pulled. Especially in New York. And you could go away for a little while, come back, and then think, motherfuckers, oh yeah, it's all new people. They ain't gonna know. But that reputation precedes you. That's why all you have is your word and your honor and your dignity. And that's why out of any scene. I gravitated and I found my family in this whole New York. I consider you guys like family. Yeah, I know too, Adam man. since he was fucking back to Adam fucking Bob. in the temple. <laughs> He's the one of the only guys that calls me Giananda. <laughs> Giananda does. But, you know, it's like so many Yeah, we became brothers and shit. Yeah, man. then yeah. like all those cats. I don't get to see Freddie and Hoya. Yeah, and, I lived in no more. Yeah. And then sick of it all guys so much. I love, you know, but it's like. There's only a few New York natives living in New York still. There's, there's real love there and it's not. Yeah. I wish everybody success. I hope. I don't hate on. When they got that Godfathers of Hardcore, I was like, right the fuck on, man. Yeah. God fucking bless you and keep run with it, man. Yeah, that's a great job, You know, man. it was great. I saw it. I was like, hey, man. Yeah. I didn't bad mouth them. Yeah, that was another Cro-Mag that did, you know, but it's like, 
You know, don't be envious. Envy is the worst quality to have, and it destroys yeah, friendships and families and lives. And but I want to say to you, the people that know John Joseph, that really know you, they know you, and that's all that fucking matters. There's always going to be negativity and haters around yeah. us, no matter what you do. Just keep doing you because you're inspiring people, especially at your age. All the shit you did, your books, everything, you inspire people. So even if it's a struggle for me and you to be positive every day because we're fucking humans, we still... St- Push it out in the atmosphere and yeah. get through it each day. Throw you know? it out. Throw yeah. it. You know, the energy that you throw out into the universe, man, that surrounds you. And you start to see, like, your whole friendships, you know, like, that are made yeah. through that. Yeah. And this music. Yep. And whatever it is, I got to say something. I've been all over the motherfucking world and... Some of the most real, truest motherfuckers I ever met in my life came out of this scene. Yeah, came man. out of this hardcore shit. Yeah, I agree. I because agree. like, there's so many fake motherfuckers out there, mm-hmm. and there's even fake motherfuckers in the scene, but they yeah. don't. They don't last. No, they don't. They don't stick around. Uh, but you know, and my closest friends I ever made was from the scene. For sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's you know. When you don't have a family, then you you make a family, you make a tribe, yep. and and that's what we've been able to, we've been able to do. And even though it's like we don't go out and hang out, you're out here. I'm yeah, in New York. Totally, there ain't shows as much as there used to be, or whatever the fuck. But it's like, and we're older. Yeah, everybody's Connected you know doing still. their shit and, ha- and 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 positive and 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 Keeping doing it going. and doing good stuff. Yeah, you know, Freddie and. Uh, just the whole, even Roger and 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 so many people have branched out into doing other shit. Yep. You know. Yeah, man. But Everybody the New York fun. shit, it was no place like that shit, dude. Because like, you know what New York was yeah. was special. The DC scene, you know, you're talking middle class, yep. upper middle class, whatever the fuck, families yeah. or politicians or. The only ones that came out of the poverty of D.C. was the Bad Brains. And look, they ruled the whole shit. Totally. They're the godfathers of this shit. Yeah, they're the they're, they're, You yeah, know, because greatest. like through that adversity and that struggle, and we all had it the same. Like, none of us came from like Silver Spoon nah. fucking, nope. you know. Nope. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Thank you, John Joseph. I love you and I appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Love you too, bro. Adam, Adam Blake in the house too, man. We love you, Adam. Adam's getting better. Adam's on the mend. Adam's doing wonderful Look up PH. You can see what Adam's been going through for over 10 years. But I'm looking at him now. He looks amazing. He's looks back to normal. Last time I saw Adam was. He's on the road to recovery. Uh, it was really cool. I posted a thing about Adam the other day, and some lady commented. She goes, I PH too. And she had PH in her bio. That was fucking amazing, yeah, man. Okay, awesome. So he saw somebody else in America with the same disease Adam has. You know but, what, uh, though, man? It's a little bit of adversity, but it builds character, it man. It you does. know, like, it, it makes us sh- stronger. Like, somebody said that to me, too. Like, what would you change, like, if you could, like, somebody in the press asked me, and I said, I wouldn't change a motherfucking thing because, like, every situation that any of us go through, it's, it's Made you are today. for a reason. Yeah. It's like, you know. I agree. Through that adversity, never surrender. Just yeah. keep pushing through. Don't quit. Well, I'm glad you're alive and here in the podcast, yeah, all the shit you've been you. through. Man, you're a survivor, man. And, Survival uh, of the streets. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes you got to hand out some street justice. <laughs> and never snitch on your peoples. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, John. All right, wow. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. 
And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.